But what Satan does is he perverts that which was designed to be true and he makes it something else. So he wants you to worship. He just doesn't want you to worship the one true God. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. Our 2019 theme is making disciples as we help our community know God, become family, and impact the world. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, good morning, PCBC. You ready to dig in the Word this morning? I pray that you are. Before we can get into our sermon series on praise and thanksgiving, we have to address the elephant in the room. Many have approached me today and said, Bill, what happened to the Sooners? And I have reverently said to them, only Satan brings up the past. Am I right? Only Satan brings up the past. I, like the Apostle Paul, I forget what lies behind, even if it was just yesterday, and I press on to bigger and better things. So let's press on. On the screen, our theme coming out of D now is out of Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 7. It says that wherever God plants us, we are to be a blessing to our city. The two ways we're going to be able to do that as a congregation in the month of October is we've been talking. John Marshall Middle School uh, is in a desperate need. Even in today's paper, there's an article written about the need of getting help into middle school, John Marshall Middle School specifically. It talks about that many people are saying that the students are out of control and it's a student problem. And the article rightfully points out that it is an adult problem. That it's about adults being engaged and adults being there for those students. And we have an opportunity as the church in our city to bless that community. We're inviting you, and I know many of you work in this uh, service or at school and may not be able to participate but help us recruit. And in the back hallway, there are sign-up sheets for us to be hallway monitors. And while we're hallway monitors, we will also be prayer warriors. They say prayer is no longer welcome in our schools, but we get to take it there as hall monitors and also praying as the kids are passing through the hallways. And as we build relationships with them, we can be praying for those students and see God do a fresh thing on that campus. Uh, to the ladies in the room, let me also challenge our ladies. Uh, some ladies may say, well, I don't know that that's a good place for a lady. That sounds like that just needs to be a bunch of men who know karate and, and have a black belt in judo or whatever it is. Uh, that's not true. Probably more so, we need just as many ladies because ladies bring a different presence on a campus. Uh, the, the presence of ladies in those hallways will bring a sweet spirit in that place, but also you'll be able to build relationships with those girl students that men can't build. You won't be just stuck in a hallway by yourself, fending for yourself. There will be multiple adults in the hallways, but we desperately need women to sign up and be a part of that. So you pray about that ministry. Try it one week, and if it doesn't work for you, then we'll fill your slot. Second way we get to bless our community, as you heard earlier, is through Festival. There will be more people on this campus that don't attend PCBC than the volunteers that are packing out every room in this campus. It is a great opportunity for us to love on people and build relational bridges. So you be praying about that. But this morning, we're continuing on our emphasis in the month of October in what it means to praise God. In the month of November, we'll focus on Thanksgiving. You see, in the heart of every human being who was created by Almighty God, He placed within you a heart of worship. You can go anywhere on this globe. You can go into the remotest jungle 
on any continent and you will still find worship. Now, it may not be true worship. It may not be genuine worship, but in God's creation, there is this piece of his creation that understands we are worshipers. I want you to think back to the very first battle, the very first war ever that was waged against uh, the Lord. It was not the battle in the garden. It wasn't Adam and Eve's fall. It goes even further back in history than that. The very first battle, you read about it, you don't have to turn there, but in your notes you can write down Isaiah chapter 14. It's recorded about the rebellion in heaven. It almost looks like a script from a Star Wars movie. A battle of the light and the darkness, good and evil. We find Lucifer, who was the choir director of heaven, leading a rebellion and saying, why does God get all the worship? The very first battle ever fought was over the issue of worship. Lucifer was cast down. We know his name as Satan, the god of this world. And he continues to wage that war until the final day he will be cast into hell forever. That battle is over the issue of worship, a daily battle. And while the first battle was a precursor of all the battles that we would ever face, it's all around the one issue of our worship. And while Satan tried to steal the worship from God to something else, he's still doing that today. He hates authentic, genuine worship. And his scheme, watch this, his scheme is to get you to worship. I don't know if you just heard what I just said. It may have sounded wrong. I thought Satan didn't want us to worship. No, I want you to understand, Satan loves for us to worship. He knows he can't steal that from the creation because all of us were created to be worshipers. But what Satan does is he perverts that which was designed to be true and he makes it something else. And so he wants you to worship. He just doesn't want you to worship the one true God. He'll get you to worship anything and anyone as long as it's not directed to the God of our worship. And so it was A.W. Tozier who said, if there is anyone, he said, I can safely say this on the authority of all that's revealed in the word of God, that if there is anyone, a man or a woman on this earth, who is bored or turned off by worship, they are not ready for heaven. I want you to hear that. I want you to think about that for just a moment. God gives us daily practice. Every day we wake up, it's another practice session. It's another way of learning and growing and what it means to praise God and give him our thanksgiving. And it's what we will do throughout all of eternity. If we're bored with it now, good luck with it in heaven. So I want to take you back in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I want us to look at how God reveals his people being people of worship. Turn back in the Old Testament. Go to Exodus chapter 15. In Exodus chapter 15, what we're going to find here is we're going to find the people of God who've been in bondage to Pharaoh in Egypt. They were there for over 400 years. They were uh, treated as slaves. They were brutalized. They were used by Pharaoh to build his kingdom. He treated them poorly, and they would cry out to God for their deliverance. God would honor their prayers. He would raise up Moses, a deliverer, a prototype of how we would be delivered from our bondage through the deliverer, our deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ. They now make their way out of Egypt, and they are trapped against the Red Sea. You remember the story, and we've talked about it often. 
There they were with their backs against the wall. They had nowhere else to go. Pharaoh and his army are crashing in on them, ready to destroy Israel. And God delivered them again a second time. He split the Red Sea, and as they would go through the Red Sea, Pharaoh and his armies would follow in behind them, and the waves would come crashing in and would destroy the greatest military on the planet at that time. They were delivered. They were free people. They had seen the power of God. They had watched their enemy be destroyed, and it's a picture of you and I today because we have an enemy. We have a Pharaoh, the God of this world, Satan, who wants to kill, steal, and destroy We watch God deliver us through the cross by giving us his only begotten son. And we too have been delivered from our bondage. So how do we respond to that? What is is a heart cry? Well, as we look in on Exodus chapter 15, we find Moses gathering all the sons of Israel. And as soon as they had won that battle and God had delivered them, he called them all together and said, guys, it's time to do a building campaign. We're going to build a great tabernacle and we're going to worship God, our champion. Take a look at it, verse 1. Is that what he did? Moses simply gathered the sons of Israel, and what did they do? They sang this song to the Lord. How cool is that? If that didn't show you the heart of worship, I don't know what will. Because you see, every day we wake up, we wake up realizing our deliverance from God. It is a daily blessing. And we should respond in the same way. The very first thing they did is they sang a song to the Lord. And they said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Underline that. The horse and its rider he has hurled on the sea. They now speak of his mighty works. Then it goes on in verse 2, again, blessing his name. For the Lord, he is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. We take a look at their song, we find that they were just singing to the Lord and they were singing about him, they were singing to him, and they were thanking God for what he had done. It was the heart of praise and thanksgiving. It goes on to declare, my God is a warrior and the Lord is his name. The first response for what the Lord had done in their life was to worship him corporately and with their voices and with their song. And that should be our daily response as well. It shouldn't be just something we do on Sunday morning because Alex and our team lead you to do that and that's what you're supposed to do when you come to church. No, that's what we do every day we wake up. We just get a chance on Sundays to come together and to do that corporately and sing a song to the Lord. If you look at Exodus 15, you see three things in their response. The first thing is you see that they came together. There was corporate worship. Uh, They just didn't thank God in their hearts, although they did. They came together, Moses, and it doesn't say Moses and the priests, the holy ones, their religious people, the religious leader. He said, and all the sons of Israel, all of Israel came together. It was corporate. It is important that we do that, that we come together as well, and that we do this when we do this. And we don't do it just because we're supposed to go to church. We come together and we celebrate God alive in us. Second thing I want you to see is that they sang a new song. They sang a new song. This song that we just read in Exodus 15 had never been sung before. Do you notice that? They weren't just praising God for what he'd done in their past. They were also in that moment praising God for who he was in their life in that moment. 
Yes, they sang about God, and yes, they understood who God was of the past, but they also had a new song because they had a walk with God, and God was doing fresh and new things. The third thing we see is that they all sang. They all sang. From grandma and grandpa all the way down to the grandkids. There was those who gathered individually, there were those who were now corporate, and they were also generational. And take a look at Exodus 15 too. Look at what it says. My God, I will praise him. My Father's God, I will extol him. Extol him. That speaks that I will have my own walk with God, but I will also celebrate with the other generations, even my fathers and my grandfathers, and they did that together. I hope that we do that well. I hope that we don't just come to church with this individual heart, but I hope that we come together to be the body of Christ and to worship like they worship. So you've got an Old Testament example. Let me take you to a New Testament example. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Moses and all of Israel praised his name. Now Paul is writing to all those who lived in Ephesus, the church there at Ephesus, about how to worship God. Now when you get in on it, verse 15, you would expect, if we're going to talk about praise and thanksgiving, that Paul's going to give them a voice lesson. That he's going to address how you can sing gloriously to the Lord. Well, take a look at what he teaches, verse 15. Instead of dealing with their voices, look at what he deals with first, number, or verse 15, number one. He said, therefore, be careful how you walk. You see, before it ever comes to our voices, what we sing to the Lord Paul says it first comes to your walk. Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise people, not like a fool. Because if you walk after those unwise things, if you walk like the world walks, you will worship other things than the one true God. It starts with your walk. A lot of people want it to start with a song. A lot of people want it to be about a song they know. A lot of people want it to be something that happens at church. And Paul says, no, it all starts with your walk. Matter of fact, I would tell you that what happened yesterday or even late last night may dictate what actually happens in here on Sunday morning. Where we walk, where we direct our path, it will determine our heart worship. If I walk after the things of this world, if I live like those in the world, I will worship like pagans. And I cannot worship in spirit and in truth. So the very first thing he addresses is that your walk will determine your worship. You see, he goes on to say, look at verse 16. For we need to make the most of our time because the days are evil. The next thing he says is you must not only watch your walk, but you need to prioritize your life. We need to make it a priority that the most important thing in our life is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But if we're honest, we love ourselves more. We see that in the days that we live. We see how we live our days. And we make it about everything we want to do and everything our heart desires instead of focusing our heart on Him. And we wonder why maybe we're not so strong in praise and thanksgiving. These days are evil. And in these days, there are a number of things in this world that can draw your worship away from God and give your affections and attention to those things. We wake up today in America and we worship at the altar of pleasure. There are some that wake up and they worship at the altar of comfort. There are others who worship at the altar of entertainment. And if we're not careful, instead of worshiping the Lord our God, we worship at the altar of ourself. And we become very 
selfish. Go to verse 17 now, Ephesians 5, 17. As he continues to teach about worship, he talks about their walk. He talks about their ways. And then he says this, Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So the first thing he says is, you've got to watch your walk and what you're giving your time, your heart, your affections to. And then to walk in the right path, you have to allow yourself to be filled with the Spirit. And he gives an example. He says, you can be like the pagans and you can just give over control of your mind, your heart, your person to a substance. In this case, wine or alcohol. It can be other substances. It doesn't even have to be substances. We can give our will and our ways over to a person, over to a career, over to the material. Whatever you fill your life with, you are filling your heart with. He says, will you be controlled by the things of this world, in, case, in this case wine, or will you be filled with the Spirit? Hold your place here in Ephesians. We're going to come back, but Jesus taught about this in John chapter 4. Flip over John chapter 4. Hold your place in Ephesians. We're going to be back there. Paul's not done preaching yet, but look at Jesus on worship. We get to John chapter 4 in verse 19, and you know this story. We look at it often. It's the woman at the well. Jesus, ministering to this woman, reminds her that she has taken her lifetime, and she was not wise, and she filled her life with her love to be loved by men. The only way she thought she could ever be happy is to receive the love of a man. And Jesus pointed out to her, you may be at this well getting water today because you're thirsty, but really you're even more thirsty than that. You're thirsty to be loved. And you're never going to find it from drinking from the same well you've been drinking from man after man after man. Jesus would point out she'd been with five men and the man she was with now was not her husband. And Jesus said to her, I want you to know you can have living water where you never thirst again. In verse 19, the woman said to Jesus, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet, you think? I'm sure she was stunned that this man was so prophetic in her life, and yet she was receiving it. And look at verse 20. She then says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem, that is the place where men ought to worship. She starts to go after this worship thing. And if you notice, she does what many people do with worship. She assumed that worship was something that happened in a place. Do we worship on the mountain or do we worship in Jerusalem? Wrong question. The right question is how do we worship and who do we worship? She made it a place, and there are people today that say, oh, I've got to get to church today to worship God. Really? I'm glad you are. We do come to church and we worship God. I worship God every day I wake up, even when you're not around. Every breath we take is an act of worship. And instead of contextualizing that and making it something that happens at a place at a certain time with a certain band, worship is not to be a religious activity in a certain place it is to take place in our hearts. Look at verse 21. For Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. She's like, oh man, I'm getting some inside scoop. There's about to be a new place for us to worship. I can see her breaking out her little Sunday school lesson notepad, ready to take notes, and where will we be next in our worship? Look at what Jesus said. 
He says, it won't be on this mountain. It won't be in Jerusalem. For you worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus pointed not to a place, not to a time, not to a day, but he pointed to true worshipers. He said, there will be a day and a time now where it isn't about Jerusalem. It isn't about a tabernacle. It's about the dwelling place of a holy God, his people, who will be true worshipers. That word, true worshipers, reveals that there can be worship that is not true. The Pharisees proved that. They spent hours and hours at the synagogue thinking they were worshiping God and it was false worship. The question is, will we be true worshipers? If we are true worshipers, then Jesus said it will happen in spirit and in truth. It is spirit-led and it is spirit-filled. Go to Ephesians again now. Let's finish up Paul's sermon. Ephesians 5, verse 19, and now he gets the voices. He's talked about their walk. He's talked about their heart. Now he talks about their voice. You see, we think worship's just about a song. We think it's about our voices. It's bigger than that. It starts with our walk. It's an issue of the heart. And then if those are right, then the right stuff comes from the voice. For then he says, when you gather together, speak to one another in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart, not your voice. Some of us can't make melody with our voice, but we can with our heart. Make melody with your heart and look at the direction to the Lord. Not to this stage, not to Alex, a worship leader, not to your pastor. You are to direct your praise, your worship to the Lord. And then look at verse 20. Verse 19 is about praise. Verse 20 is about thanksgiving. He says, so give your praise to God, to the Lord, and always give thanks for all things. There's the formula. Praise and thanksgiving. All of that belongs to the Lord. Colossians 3.16 is on the screen. You don't have to turn there. It says the same thing. Paul then was instructing another church. He said, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom with all teaching and admonishing one another, here it is again, with psalms, with hymns, and spiritual songs. So why does he draw those distinctions? Well, there are three things there. In Ephesians 5.19 and also here in Colossians, we see those three things of hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. Psalms were the Old Testament hymnal. Uh, It's what you have as the book of Psalms in your Bible. Uh, those psalms that God used David and a few others to put together became the songbook of the people of faith. And Paul said, yeah, we're this side of the cross, but we still worship God through the psalms. And then hymns. What's the difference between a hymn and a psalms? Well, a hymn was a song written by man about God, about the nature of God and who God is. And, And there have been great hymns written not just in America, But way before we even ever existed, we're to worship God with the psalms, with the hymns, and then the third thing, a new song. And I want you to know, a new song just isn't the latest, greatest song that's playing on the radio. That doesn't make it, it can be a new song, but that's not what we're talking about. When it talks about worshiping the Lord with a new song, 
It was a picture of what we saw in Exodus chapter 15. What makes it a new song is it's my heart response to what God is doing in that moment. You see, Satan would love to make worship about the new songs that are popular with this generation versus the songs of the last worship service that was just in here and make that worship wars. How foolish have we been? We have been suckers to the God of this world who has deceived us and schemed on us and made it an issue of the songs. He just wants to rob us of our worship to the one true God. And it doesn't make it more special just because there's a new song unless it's new in our heart. See, what made it new in Exodus 15 is they were responding to what God was doing in their life. Not just what they were hearing on the radio, not just what was the latest greatest, but they had a new song in their heart because they were walking with God and God was delivering them and God was fresh and God was alive and never before had he ever destroyed a Pharaoh. But he did in Exodus 15. I wonder what fresh thing God's going to do in your life tomorrow. I got the privilege of starting ministry here in 1986. I was young, naive. There's a phrase that your grandparents call wet behind the ear. You can ask them what that means, but it was all of that, and I didn't have a clue. And I've watched PCBC be a congregation of people going through difficult times, going through great times. I remember starting in the freshness of all that, and and I've watched God do some things over the years and some very difficult things. But I'm more excited about what God's going to do tomorrow. Not just for PCBC, but what God's going to do in my life, in my family, in my church family. And so I'm not worried about showing up on Sunday morning and saying, okay, Alex, what's the new song we're going to sing this week? I'm more excited about what's the new song God's going to place in our hearts because he shows up daily in our lives. Let me show you the power of a new song. We'll put these up on the screen. We don't have time to turn to all of them, but you need to see them and write them down in your notes. Watch these. Take a look at it. Psalm 33, 3. I'm just going to go in, in order of the chapters here. Psalm 33, verse 3. The psalmist. Remember, we worship God through the psalms, the hymns, and new songs. Even David said, sing to him a new song. What was David saying? David wasn't saying the old songs are no longer valid. He wasn't saying the songs of our faith, those are dry and old and of no value because we are to worship him through psalms and hymns. But he said, also make sure that you have a new song. Make sure you have a new thing to sing to God about what he's doing in your life today. Psalm 40, verse 3, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. In Psalm 96, verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song Sing to the Lord all the earth. In Psalm 98, verse 1, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. Psalm 144, verse 9 says, I will sing a new song to you, O God. Psalm 149, are you starting to get the lesson? Are you, can you hear it? Do you see it? Even the psalmist, over and over and over again, said, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the godly ones. So when we gather, we will sing from the psalms from time to time. We will sing some hymns. We will sing some new songs. But let those new songs 
be your daily song. Let it be what God's doing in your heart. Let him be a promise keeper. Let him be a way maker. Let him be the light in your darkness. That's a new song for our congregation. But is that your new song? Is God delivering on his promises in your life? Has he made a way for you? And when he does, get in here and as we sing that song, tie your heart and your walk with God to your worship. Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And be reminded, we don't just worship with our songs. We worship with our walk. Very first place Paul started is he said, be wise and don't walk like a fool. It could be that this morning our response to God's word starts with our walk. Before we ever worry about our voices singing a new song, maybe we need a new path. Maybe we need to confess to God that we have walked down the wrong path and we need to confess that as sin and ask for his forgiveness. Is that you this morning? It may be that there's somebody here and you hear these words and they're just words to you and you realize you're not a worshiper of God. You've never, you've never asked him to be your savior. You may know there is a God, you may know the name of Jesus, but you don't know him as your savior. You've never made him the Lord of your life. Maybe today your response is, Lord, give me a new heart, a heart to worship you in spirit and truth. And he will forgive you of your sin he will make you a brand new person and now you can worship him in spirit because the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you don't know God, if the Holy Spirit has never come to live within you, right now you need this to be your day of salvation. Our ministers will be here. You need to come to one of them and say, I need to be saved. I need Jesus in my heart. God, save me. And he will. Could be that you need a church family a place where you can worship God every Sunday we offer an invitation for you to respond to God either in your heart as it relates to salvation an issue of sanctification or perhaps the issue of church membership if you need a church family we'd love to be that church family where you can grow in praise and thanksgiving we invite you to come I want to pray for you when I'm done praying, we'll stand. Alex will begin to sing. That's your time to come to one of our staff and say, this is what God's doing in my life. If you have questions or you need prayer, we encourage you to come as well. Father God, may you be the Lord of this moment and the Lord of each heart. And God, we know that we cannot worship you with our voices until our walk, until our feet take us where we need to be in the center of your will. So God, as we stand in a moment, as the time is offered for people to respond to your voice, God, may our feet take us where we need to go. And may we give you the worship and all of our praise. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.